Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Rugby League Talks. I'm Kiggs. I'm Jacob. And we're back for another week to discuss the 2023 squads. Now, last week... This is exciting. It is. These these three teams we got lined up are going to be really good to talk about. Last week we had Bulldogs, Warriors and Storm. This week, however, we have Seagulls, Sharks and the Dolphins. Now, we all know... The, the, the sea animals... Pardon? The sea animals. You could say that. You could say that, yeah. Um, so, we, we only pick these up random. Literally, a computer picks these for us. So, Glorious coincidence. <laughs> um, well, I think we should start off with the Sharks and we, we end with like, the most exciting team to talk about, that being the Dolphins, in my opinion. Yeah. So, let's start that with the Sharks. We have, we don't have a lot of news for the Sharks this preseason. Because literally their um, only signing that I know about and what the NRL have put up on their website is Oregon Kofusi from the Eagles. Mm. Uh, in saying that, I do see why they have signed Kofusi. That being that they've lost two forwards. Uh, that being uh, Andrew Fafita and Aiden Tolman. Um, while they're not, like, of course, in my opinion, while they were both not at their peak performance because they were getting older and, you know, Andrew Feeder has, like, unfortunately has to have, like, seven different surgeries to repair his body after Harry... Yeah, that's insane. I, I feel for the poor bloke because, honestly, that is... That's... Yeah, same. Like, you, you grow up as a Queensland or a Cows fan, you, you don't really like the feeder. But now that we're approaching that retirement era and you start to see him as a person, I think you kind of go, Jesus Christ. Like, yeah. And I think we also saw it um, last year where he had that injury with his breathing. Yeah. And, and that, was, that was incredibly serious. And for him to come back and not even just play footy, but play footy at the level he's at. Mm. Because that's like, that's ridiculous. If I had an injury like that, I probably wouldn't even be touching a treadmill for a few months let alone playing bloody full fight NRL. So that really does speak to the toughness of him and well, what he's gone through with his career. His first fo- his first game back was the All-Stars match in early February. Yeah. So his first match back, he pl- he starts for the Indigenous side and then, gets pu- and then has a punch on the same game. <laughs> so credit to He'll him. He'll be remembered for his heart. He will oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, of course, he's going to have that 2016 grand final win. Yep. Uh, attached to his name, and he's going to have that forever because obviously Sharks fans, uh, they, you know, you know how much a first premiership means to oh, any club, 100%. and Sharks fans, given how long they've been waiting for that, obviously they're and for Fida scoring the try in that match too against the Storm. So, yeah, exactly. So that's going to be a very, 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 um, he'll have a, you know, he's going to have a lot to him. Uh, with the story of Andrew Fafita that he's retired and hopefully you wish him the best of luck in life after footy because as you said the amount of surgery he's got to have he's someone that's well and truly put their body on the line 100% you can't really because as much as people have made jokes about his appearance and everything I don't think you can really criticise the amount of part he's put into the game if we're finishing his career with that well look at like for me I I just remember that State of Origin series where he absolutely decimated the forward pack of Queensland. 
Like yeah. he ran for us. And he was yeah. just getting offloads and offloads. And he was running like full length field tries at some point. Like he was busting through people. Slater yeah. hated tackling him. Yeah, well, not just that, but New South Wales, I think they've actually always had a bit of class in their back line, but it was only really when they had that engine room led by Fafita that they were able to truly, you know, shine and be able to create some space and test that defensive line. Because, you know, even when Queensland were absolutely dominating them in origin, they've still had so many class players at several points, you know, in the back line, because starting off, you would have had guys like, I think, Brett Stewart, would have yeah. been playing some origin for New South Wales. There were... Was Minicello a part was, of that era? Minicello? Uh, well, yeah, that's what I'm trying to think, look at because I, I remember that he was playing origin at one point yeah. and he was still a very class player for the Roosters especially. Uh, just, yeah, 2008, for example, uh, trying to find the lineups. Yeah, just 2008, for example, here's your back line for your game one for New South Wales. You've got Brett Stewart, Jared Hayne, Matt Cooper, Mark Gaznia, and Anthony Quinn. Holy uh, shit. A- Anthony Quinn is probably the odd one out there. No yeah. disrespect to him because he was pretty solid uh, for the Storm at the time. But, mm. yeah, they really were not. And then if you look at the 2014 New South Wales team, then... This one is going to be where the interesting things get. Because I think it was 2014, the series you were talking about. Yes, I think so. No, it wasn't. It was a few years later. That one was maybe Aaron six, Woods. Maybe 16. Yeah, it could be. Well, I, I really want to get to the bottom of this one because it's. I, I've been like a major advocate that backline players a lot of the time... Yeah, he did play in 2016. Mm-hmm. That was one. We'll have to get to the team lists. Yeah, game one, for example, uh, in 2016, uh, Fafita was coming off the bench in that one. Then the next one, he was off the bench as well. And the next, yeah, so he played off the bench in that series. Yeah. But your back line, for example, uh, in game one, it was Moylan, Ferguson, Jennings, Morris, and Mansour. Uh, Honestly, I don't know that that is that a better or worse backline. I don't know. You'd have to go pretty in depth, I think, because there's so much class in both of them. Well, but the difference is, oh, Queensland won both series. But yeah, how's this for like the backs in Game Two of 2011? Anthony Minichalo, Jared Hayne, William Hopperati, Mark Gasnier. Uh, Aculia Arte, Jamie Soud, Mitchell Pierce. Bloody hell. It's, it's so easy to forget that Jamie Soud played Origin, but it, he was really a class player when he played as well. I know this has nothing to do with the Sharks, but I just, I'm glad I finally had the opportunity on this podcast to talk about my love for Jamie Soud. <laughs> he, he was such a great controlling 5'8. Like, and if you watch his work when he was at Penrith, even when playing six, and this is something that I've praised Jonathan Thurston for heaps when he was playing 5-8, but he's just constantly communicating, working from out the back. He can play at first receiver and second receiver, but he can also dictate play from second receiver. So it's not just the one guy running the attack. You've got two people organizing it. 
and it makes it so good when you're running those attacking shapes. And when he was at Penrith and you saw that, Matt Moylan was really going to take advantage of it really well. And that is how we're going to loop it back to the Sharks. Matt Moylan. Well, I've actually put Matt Moylan as a player to watch for this season. Of course, we spoke exactly. a lot about Moylan this season, uh, about how he played eyes up footy at 5'8". He really beat Braden Trindle for that 5'8 jersey this year to partner Nico. Um one thing I, I will mention, though, that I think he may improve on is he can play up eyes up, but it's his defense that needs a bit of improvement. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah I would agree. You know, he's never been known particularly as a defending in the line half. Like, some halves tend to have a lot of dog in them defensively. Uh, we've, we've spoken about guys like Flanagan, Dearden. Um Moylan tends to not quite have that solid first contact. Yeah. However, I think being next to Wilton and Nakora, they've both got a bit of mongrel in them. Uh, I, th- I don't know which one he's next to. I need to pay more attention to the Sharks. It would be Wilton because uh, Nakora plays. Yeah, that's right. right. I, I remember now. And I remembered because of, there was this one play where Nakora ran a decent line off a ball from Hines. Yeah. Because I think that was also when Moylan wrapped around and played first receiver. I don't know. Specific plays aside. I agree completely on Moylan wanting to improve that defense, especially because you don't want to be pressuring Talakai and Ramey in too much to make those defensive decisions. hundred percent. I don't think I don't think either of them are particularly lockdown centers. I think Mulatalo and Katoa are actually quite good defensively as wingers. You know, they they follow their centers. Uh, I actually think that that's one of the best wing pairings in the comp. By the way. Uh, Katoa doesn't get the respect he deserves, but Mulatalo even doesn't at some point. Because I think if there's anything you want from your wingers, just you want them to be able to take carries out of the back end and find their front for the quick play of the ball. Mm. You want them to be able to you know, catch the ball if it's passed to them or if it's kicked to them. And then you want them to follow their centre and defence. Well, that's the thing and, with this back line for my... For my sake, this is probably the best back five in the comp. Yeah, you have Penrith. I I completely agree with Penrith, like being up there. Um, I personally though, if you want a hard working back line, I want to see these two go up against each other again and again because they are brilliant. You have people that can put in the post contact meters. They have good finishes. They can. Get the front foot for you if your forwards are tired. I just think so many people... We had that hype train for Talakai early in the season because he was absolutely decimating edges. And then there were like people literally three weeks later, oh, he's shit, he's not making 10 tackle breaks. He's not palming off people left, right and centre. He was still averaging a stupid amount of run metres every week. Though. And that's what made him, in my opinion, that like, what made the Sharks the underrated top like yeah. back five. Because he would Agreed. get you out of trouble if you needed it to. It didn't look like it, but it was getting there. Agreed, hundred percent. And something else to note is that if you look at their forwards compared to Penrith, Penrith they've got some pretty big meter eaters up in their forward pack. Mm. Uh, they've got some guys who run amazing lines. The Sharks, if you look at their props, they're not they're not particularly the guys that carry a team sixty meters downfield. Yeah. Uh, Toby Rudolph, he's good. Royce Hunt, I think, is a great prop. I think is a bit underrated. Delphinukin, he, he's aging, but he's still pretty good. But neither of them are really that Fisher-Harris type. 
Yeah. Yet they're still they're still one of the best teams in the comps, and they've proven that. And part of that is off the back of the way they play. You know, we spoke about this during the Origin period about having a team that uses their wingers to push the, or their back line to push them up the field, and uses the forwards to win the ruck and defense. And that's something that the Sharks did so well at. And I absolutely love how Craig Fitzgibbon has organized the tactics of this Sharks team. And I think that not having much turnover or signings is actually going to be a positive for them. Because we look at the key players that you put down. We've got one veteran with Moylan. And then after that, we've got Kennedy, who is a player who is still developing his game. And all in all, I think... The, the team doesn't... Because you've got Blake Braley as well, who's still yeah. fairly young. He's developing. I think he's a fantastic player. Uh, he's also led the comp in sin bins, and that makes for some really entertaining television. So, so Yeah, he did. Blake, Blake Braley... Uh, I think it was three. <laughs> Actually, I don't, I don't know if that was sin bins. I think that was sent off. Um, no, it, it would have been sent off. I'll have to... I'll have no, to check. I think it's Simbins because I know he got a few, but I didn't know he was leading it. I think yeah, it's two clear indications. He got one in Magic Round, and then he got one against like Newcastle. Yeah, something like that. Oh, all I remember is on the Fox stats tracker, it did have him towards the top, <laughs> That's and it was hilarious. It is because, like, if you think you know, worst discipline plays in the comp. There's a few names that might go around. Uh, someone might say Hetherington, who mm. will be at the Knights. Some might say Luai. He gives away a lot of penalties. Say Radley. Some might say Smith. I don't think anyone answers that question with Blake Braley. I, I wouldn't. The first Neither person would I'm I. mentioning is bloody um, Matt Lodge. Yeah. No, or that's... Victor. Because Victor was getting sent off every five minutes last uh, in 2021. Yeah, and it was... I remember he simmed in several times against the Broncos. He did. He got that was within 10 minutes of each other coming back on. Yeah, I believe that was Sawali's debut as well. I watched that game uh, at a league's club. That was lots of fun. But, yeah, also, I think watching how Brady Hamilton-Welly steps up this year is also going to be another factor. Uh, Brake Braley, he's not particularly that major running nine, but he can be pretty crafty at times. And being able to develop that ruck uh, and try and win that, getting that good Tomcat contact is going to be pretty important. So watching how Ueli goes there. We all know Cameron McInnes can do it. Well, uh, but... I just think that shows a bit of loyalty for the club because obviously at the start of 2021... Uh, it was announced that McInnes would be signing with, would be playing for Sharks in 2022. Yeah. And at the current time, he was playing hooker for Dragons. However, uh, he did his ACL pro in the preseason. It was December, I think he did it. Yep. And then um, Andrew McCulloch got signed in February. Yeah. So you had that like couple of months where. Um, it was like, how you doing with St. George at the hooker spot? And then um, everyone thought that McInnes would be playing for the Sharks as a hooker. However, later in that year, Blake Braley re-signs until the end of 2025 and, be and uh, solidifies his spot as the mainstay hooker. 
So I think that shows great loyalty to the club and that the Craig Fitzgibbon wanted to develop him more and sees the potential in Brayley. Uh, we all know that Jaden Brayley, his older brother, is a very good hooker. I think the Knights missed him a lot this year uh, throughout. Um, he played he played some games, but especially when they went on that big Achilles injury. What was that, sorry? That he was coming off that Achilles injury. Yeah, that he snapped his Achilles in, um, in preseason in January. Yeah, which was pretty sad because it would have been exciting to see how that Knights team went, especially because I was hyped for Jay Clifford, who started the season well, but obviously had some personal troubles. And, and the Knights won. A couple of rounds later, did pretty well, broke his arm. Yeah, it was, it was pretty sad. It was pretty sad, probably the most unlucky player in the NRL at the moment. Um, he's going to Super League. He's not even <laughs> the yeah, luckiest player in the NRL. The poor boy. Well, he's, he's, he's going to have to hopefully get some luck over the Super League. Well, um, I, I just see this Braley. I, I see Braley. I think he could get a running game. But the issue with that is you can't, a hooker can't have a running game unless those uh, the front rowers or like the forward pack can eat those metres up. And like you said earlier... You don't have um, that one person or like several people at the Sharks that can do it. You, you don't have a Fisher Harris that could can do it. Yeah, and so it'll be interesting to see how he does develop that. But I do think that it'll be a big season for Rudolph and Hunt to establish themselves because obviously, if you're if you're the two starting props in a team that finished in the top four in the NRL, you're obviously some pretty decent props. Yeah, but I don't think that outside of Nico Hines. I don't think that people give much attention to any other Sharks players, which I guess it makes sense with Nico's brilliance, but his brilliance works inside that framework. Yeah. You, you have and a look it'll at be... it. It's insane that the Dalian medalist of the year did not play for Australia or any rep- yeah. or any country at the World Cup. He didn't even, like, he played, I think he was in Origin Camp, but that's it. Yeah, he was in Origin Camp for a bit, but he didn't end up playing. Just kind of sad because I'd like to see him have a crack at the six jersey. I mean, personally, as a Queenslander, I'd actually like to see bloody Lewine Moses as the New South Wales halves, to be honest. But as as an objective footy fan, I really hope he gets that six jersey because you know, as a former fullback, he can definitely play in oh. sweeping around the back. He doesn't have to be ball dominant. A hundred percent, and I, I think we just like we saw how he can do. Like he stepped up this year. Really, like yep. he had that really good season at fullback at the Storm last year. Yeah, took it to another level. Like you, you yeah, you, you know his story now. You know what he was about, and Craig Bellamy just turned him into a monster. Like yeah, well, there was all about surrounding factors. Like halves do not go well outside the Storm system. Yeah, proved it wrong. Hundred percent, and there were so many question marks about whether he could be a seven as well, because it was it was kind of a gamble for them. He played a bit of halves at Storm, but he didn't play half back at Storm. He yeah. wasn't the main man, but he's come out and he's done an absolutely fantastic job. But not just that, but he's done it in a team that doesn't try overly systemize him, which is good. It's fantastic because something, and this is my favorite thing about the show in terms of actual strategic play. They run this play where both Moylan and Hines play first receiver 
at certain times of the field. And then you have the other playmaker. They will run around from the back outside the rock and they'll run that lead jockey Ryan over at second receiver. Oh, yes. And it's it's created numbers so many times. I think they did it against the Cowboys, but they've also been doing it all year. And it's created so many opportunities for them, especially when you've got great line runners like Wilton and Nakora. Yeah. Especially Nakora. He just has this small boost of speed before he engages the line, and it really helps him get through the defensive line, find his front, and get good play the balls. So that's, it's just, I think Sharks and Cowboys, they've really money-balled this year because obviously they've both got some pretty talented players on paper, but they just have such creative coaching and ways to play footy. Yeah, like It's so simple, but it's genius. And that's been probably one of my favorite things to watch over the past year. And it'll be very exciting because this is another preseason for the Sharks under Fitzgibbon. What other tricks can they learn? Well, and not only that, you mentioned that there's only been one signing, like, um, which is good. In some teams, that would be bad. In this Sharks side, I think it's good. You know, okay. you have that entire side that has cohesion now, that knows how to play well with each other. You're not changing up anything. Yeah, well, they're showing faith in the current team. Yeah. They could have won against Cowboys and then gone on to face Parramatta. Like, it was very, very... Like, that was a hard game to watch, but also to play. 93 minutes of football is devastating to play. Like, you, you talk about 80, you get add an extra 13 minutes on that to that in golden, in extra time, and then golden point, the pressure is on you. It's lucky that Val hit a 40-meter field goal. Yeah, no, well, it was, like, it was a good game that was being played off. And it was one that the Cowboys, they, they had to pull off something special to win it because it's very likely that we do see the Sharks in that preliminary final if it isn't just for an absolute miracle. If, if, um... So, Valor Holmes didn't get the Oscar. Oh, that, he he did man. he did wonders with that dive. I'm just saying. It was it is what it is. Unbiased it opinion. is what it is. But I will say, it is pretty fantastic that we're getting these new teams coming into the top four this year, and I cannot wait to see what happens next year. Well, and... before we discuss that, let's go over the best 17 for this Sharks side. And again, yeah. literally, no, like, you have a look at this. Um, starting with the backs, Kennedy at fullback, Murotalo and Katoa as your wings, Talakai and Ramian as your centres, Moylan and Hines in your halves. Uh, and then you go to your four, your starting forwards, Rudolph and Hunt as your props, Braley as your hooker, Wilton and Nakore, Nakora as your second rows, and Finucane at 13. And then you then go to your bench with uh, Kafusi, McInnes, Hamulale, and Graham. Uh, Raid Graham, of course, being the uh, co-captain, maybe. Uh, probably only has a few years left on his belt. Is get he had a few injuries last year that Captain Murray, uh, a couple mm-hmm. of head knocks in the season prior. However, I got a big question. I personally, 
I think it's already solidified, and I, I don't know why this question has to be has even come about. A lot of people are looking at the shark side, and there's one person they're looking at in particular who's not even in this best 17, and that's uh, Lachlan Miller. Uh, mm. He played a couple games at fullback last season when Kennedy was suspended slash injured. You have a look at this, and I don't think the question needs to be asked, in my opinion, because Kennedy has proven himself to be a fullback that has been very dangerous at times. Uh, he is f- further developing, and K- Miller does deserve a shot in the NRL. He's very quick, great kick meter return, which you'd want at the Sharks. The unfortunate okay. thing is there's no spot for him. I don't think. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And it's it's in a similar vein to three-quarter of Hammer. Mm. The, the thing ball. is, like, they're, obviously they're both class players. But when I think when Kennedy has been your first choice and he's taken you this far, um, they probably they probably weren't expecting Miller to be this good. I take that it was a gamble, and they thought that they were going to be able to put him to go play fullback or be halves depth, just in that utility vein. Yeah, but yeah, it's been it's been fantastic for the Sharks because I mean. He had an absolute cracker of a debut. Um, he did, yeah. That was that was a ridiculous game. In the red, uh, at, um, at ridiculous goal. amount, ridiculous running, ridiculous tackle bus. This is everywhere. Well, I think he made like two hundred and seventy-three meters on his debut. Something ridiculous like that. Yeah, which is, and you know, when we're talking about obviously this Sharks backline, being able to get that first kick return to split up the defense. Then you get it to your guys like Talakai, Militalo, Katoa, Ramian, mm. who are those big bodies who still find their fronts. You know, it's it's going to be pretty good. But that said, I think that Kennedy, I think Kennedy's the right man for it. Yeah, I but I do too. think it sucks. We'll, we'll have to see how Miller gets some time because it, it was really awkward when they jammed him in at wing. Yeah. Well, that was when um, yeah, that... Katoa was injured. Yep. So then, and it, goes, and and it, it was Tracy got that massive head knock. Yeah, which is unfortunate. Like Connor Tracy, another class player. Yeah, well, the fact yeah. that Tracy isn't in this starting five, and it's not because Tracy isn't worthy of being in an NRL starting five. I think there's plenty of teams that would be very happy to have him there. Oh, 100%. But... it just shows how good the depth is at Sharks for their outside backs. Yeah, 110%. Like, it's just class players on class players. Mm. Um, in saying that, what do the Sharks need this season, though? I have put down on my notes, they need that good defense through the middle of the season. I think that was lacking in, lacking this season. Uh, it, I kind of started around Magic Round when they versed uh, Canberra, and Canberra just absolutely decimated, and de- decimated them in defense and put a clinic on them. Um, and then they had those couple games where defense kind of let them down, and they let teams that win when they really those teams shouldn't have won. Yes. What What about you? What do you think they need? Um, I agree with defense, but I think 
mostly winning the ruck more often and creating those opportunities for their spine. I, yeah, I agree. I don't um, think the Sharks have a um, very good... Well, in, in offense, I don't. I can't remember if they've got like a really good fast play of a board to allow Bradley to run. And they did let, and they need to get that ooze wrestling, that wrestling better. And I thought Craig being a defensive coast, at, defense coast at Roosters would let them wrestle more and allow them to have better defense. But then again, this is the same guy who. Um, let Storm put 46 on them after Origin last season on the Roosters. Um, yeah. That's just hanging shit on Roosters because I'm a Raiders fan and I'm still salty about 2019, just saying. <laughs> um, always will be. But we know how good, like, again, Craig was the defensive coach at, uh, at for New South Wales and... Um, Roosters, so he he can. It's all about getting those forwards fit and ready to go and get, winning that ruck, like you said. Uh, do they have a Castle Hill in Cronulla? Probably not. It's probably just beach sprinting, like all the photos we've seen on Instagram and Twitter lately. So uh, a few be- beach sprints may uh, get that fitness up for front row, for the forwards. Yeah, well, something, and I think that. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Cam McInnes is also starting in the pack at some point over Finucan. Yeah, um, I wouldn't put it past him. Because, yeah, he's he's very good at getting those quick play the balls and he brings a lot of mobility to the full pack. He's also, like... <laughs> and a good thing with these forwards is that they're good line runners. Yep. And, uh, same with McInnes. Um, he can be good in defense at times. Uh, that's why they played him at second row. Um, yeah. However, there was that I don't I don't know if you remember this uh, the first game against the Storm at Amy Park, and he takes a dive, and so many people made memes about it because he just literally is in a diving motion and misses Monster after Monster steps him. Oh, I didn't see it. Oh, I might have seen it, but I don't remember it unfortunately. Oh, they got there's a video by the NRL roast. Monster steps McInnes, McInnes dives for him. And it, it just... McInnes shoots up into space and goes past the moon and everything. It's... It was pretty good. It was a pretty good uh, defensive effort, I must say. Didn't get the job done, but, you know... You, I, That's I, the thing. Don't be scared of becoming a meme because as long as, as long as you're making that effort... 100%. Like, it's more... Um, I would also say that when you've got guys like Hemuelli and Royce Hunt on the field, you, you you can allow them to take the big hits up for you and allow them to soak up some defense. Um, again, however, the downside of that is that they, they're very slow with the ruck if they're bigger boys. So, yeah. like like you said, uh, winning the ruck is a ruck. Fuck, I can't say it today. It's very important <laughs> for these boys uh, coming into 2023. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add? Um, not particularly, just seeing how they go, really. It'd be a fascinating year, and I think McInnes, I think it will be a big year for him. Mm. I think he's got some match fitness under his belt. And also, because it's going to be Fitzgibbon's second year, 
the Sharks, they're becoming more familiar with the system and they should be able to work out the kinks. It's weird to say they should improve given how high they were, yeah. but they should at the very least look to maintain their spot. And I would also say that they came second just under Penrith. Um, and when you, they played Penrith, they matched them in everything up until like the 20th minute. And that's when their forwards got tired and the Panthers forwards were just able to keep steamrolling them. Um, yep. So yeah, look out for the defense for of the forwards this season. Um, but yeah. We'll move on to our second team now. That second team is be will be the Seagulls. Now, yeah, shocking news coming out of Seagulls camp uh, early last week, as Tommy Turbo has done his sixth uh, hamstring. Jesus Christ! I don't know if it was six. I'm probably over exaggerating, but it's been a it's been a lot of hamstring injuries for the poor lad. Yeah, wow. Yeah, this is, I mean, he's probably already one of rugby league greatest what ifs, which is so weird to yeah. say, considering that we have seen the highest he can reach. He's one of WM. Yeah, exactly. He's one origin. He could have he's, been in the World Cup side this year. Yeah, well, he, as much as I hate to say it, I think that him and Mitchell would have been a lock for the centres because they would have shifted Holmes out to the wing. But yeah, um, no, I'm I'm just doing the um, sour taste in my mouth because that's a disgusting sense of hair. It's gives me nightmares. Well, oh, it gives me nightmares. So I, I had to watch that sense of pairing in real life. So did I. Yep, getting absolutely flogged at Origin. I was. Uh, but it... I was um on the side where I could literally see Teddy wrap around for a for the flick out the back for Turbo and just go inside, score, put it back in for Turbo, and he rent the full distance and scored at the opposite end. And I'm like, what the fuck did I just witness? That was horrible defense by Queensland. But no, um, Tommy Turbo, God, you want him to be match fit because honestly, in you need him. And you have this guy who's worth so much money. He's probably one of the best fullbacks in the game. But injuries after injuries are just absolutely killing him. And it's so unfortunate. He Yeah. I, the poor bloke, I mentioned this uh, on the page. And for someone like me who wants to go into inside the sports science field and rehab... Do you want to limit the off the stimuli on Turbo during games? And I think you do. You want you want Turbo to be fit, and the only way I can really do that while keeping him, allowing him to continue playing, is put him in the centres, in my, um, and then you, you shift Garrick to fullback. Uh, Garrick does a job for you. Um, you know, Tommy ain't put, getting the hands on him hitting his hands on the ball as much but you're allowing him to still have an impact on the edge uh, he can come in through the middle sometimes for a tough carry if he needs to and you're also 
making sure that he isn't pulling the hamstring every time he goes for a kick me to return. Yeah, well, that's... I don't, it's it's a creative way to look at things, and I don't... I think that because Ruben Garrick is actually a pretty solid fullback, mm. that it might it could be worth considering. Because you look at what Turbo was able to do with centre and origin, and you wouldn't really ask yourself if he was limited in his role... Because he, he's very good at finding the spots where he wants to pop up. Yeah. But I, the problem is that that is in itself a form of work rate. Um, I think maybe, because obviously we, we don't really know why Turbo keeps doing this, whether it's just muscle, like whether it's his muscle makeup or whether it's the way they recover at the club, or you've got no idea. Well, um, they fired the, someone that was in relation to his recovery. Um, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, well, I think that was... Yeah, wow. It's There's so much going on, obviously, and it sucks because it is really... Because you hate to see clubs that are dependent on one person, but the reality is in 2021, that's what it was. Um, he was... He was putting that team on his back every week in a completely weird-looking league with the new six again rule at the time. And blow out scores every game, basically. Every game, but it was him doing the blowout scores. It was like 60 to 12 at one point against the Doggies, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it was... And then I was filthy because I captained Tommy that game and he didn't give me 300 points. He got me 296. I was filthy. Oh, I mean, no, I that's been. terrible. I know, right? I was I was a greedy I was a greedy bugger for uh, Tommy Turbo points back then. I captained him every single week, um, and I I won my league. I was a happy man. I think that just sums up what Super Coach was like in twenty twenty one. Mate, imagine having to tell your kids stories about the the Cleary captain and Turbo captain wars. I, I, yeah, look, to be honest, I just vice-captained the one that was playing earlier in the week, and then if what, if one nearly got 300 points, I would just, like, um... A loop? Yeah, I'll do a loop. The inactive player, the loop, yes, that is... That's a big brain strategy, because I know about that one. prior to this season, I, could you... Yeah, um, what was it? Come Thursday, you couldn't edit your side, I don't think. Was that right? I think something like that. It was weird how they did it, but this year they fixed it up really good. So loops were like every other week. Yeah, which is obviously great news for fantasy players because you get to do that. But we, we digress. we've already had our super coach episode. Oh, we've got to fix um, it up because yeah, uh, we do. the planner came out. So Ooh. we won't do a... um podcast episode because this is going to take up a bit but uh be on the lookout for the page it. yeah look out on the page for lots of rugby league talks on insta if you haven't we have so much content coming out especially now that preseason is going to be on the way in a few uh, months a hundred percent and um not gonna lie i kind of have five fullbacks in my team at the moment <laughs> he, he thinks he's brad fiddler mate when nickel when Chinese nickel cost out cost two hundred and thirty five grand, you're gonna take. Oh really? Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. CNK costs that much. It's ridiculous. 
that's amazing. I'm taking that. That's so cheap. That's that's dirt cheap. Wow. Now we just need to bring back the mullet, and we're happy. We're laughing. I mean, any fullback, if he's especially a primary kick returning fullback, he's going to get some tackle breaks, even if it's just by accident. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, but but with the Eagles. Eagles, right? You have this they... guy. He can put up ridiculously high numbers for you in score in scoring, not just fantasy. I'm sorry, yeah. but he can win a game for you off his back. For this to happen to him again is just devastating. Like, I don't yeah. know. Seabold has probably come in at the worst, like, worst time, and he's got his first ever like headache. It's like, what the fuck do I do with an injured Tommy Turbo who's on one point, like, ridiculously high money per season? I'll say, he's the type of guy. To, to put Turbo in the centres. Yeah. I, I, We've I, seen him do it with Darius Boyd. We've seen him put Darius Boyd at six and Milford at fullback. He he could do it. I don't remember that. What the fuck? I do. It, it was really funny because there was one game where Milford actually cracked 200 metres at fullback. This is, by the way, Milford in what was one of his worst ever years. So... It was either 20 or 19 where they had him in fullback for a few games and they put Boyd at six, but they also put Boyd in the centres at some point. Um, Boyd was just everywhere in the Seabold years. Um, But yeah, it was very fascinating. So Seabold, obviously, he's a bit of a mad scientist of a coach. If you look at the plays that he was running when he was at South Sydney, it it was really complex. And I think at the Broncos, despite all the drama around his tenure there, in terms of actual footy coaching, for them to throw Tom Dearden or Brody Croft in at seven, who that neither of them being particularly experienced sevens, one of them was actually like nineteen at the time with Dearden, who also isn't really a seven either. Yeah. And then give them a ridiculously complex game plan, who previously was managed by Adam Reynolds, an incredibly experienced seven. Uh, it's it's kind of no wonder that. He didn't work out of the Broncos. So it'll be really interesting to see how he goes with his mad science over at the Seagulls because Daly Cherry Evans obviously is a very experienced halfback. Uh, He's adaptable. Yeah. The issue I have um, with it is like, is he a business coach too? You can have a very smart coach. Like, this is what I don't get. Has... I, I will back Des every step of the way and just like I I don't lo- I don't love what the club did with Hasler yeah. with Hasler. He, but the thing about Hasler was that he was footy smart. He was very smart footy, but he also had a business sense and had a lure players to the club. Does Seabold yeah. have that? I don't know. Like, well, I think I don't know if. Luring players to the club is what Manly Waringa particularly need right now. Um, I think what they need is just like, to develop some cohesiveness and culture amongst them. Or even resign people, so like contract yeah. guys. Well, I think all the main guys that are key players in their team at the moment are locked up on their contracts. Mm. Uh, Garrick re-signed, I believe. To 27. Yep, and then they've got DCE on his contract for a few more years, I believe. 
26. And then they've, they've, you know, they've resigned some of the guys that they needed to. Yeah. Uh, Turbo obviously has an absolutely massive contract as well. So I think it just comes down to getting that team to be cohesive from a cultural standpoint because obviously yeah. there was a fair bit of divide amongst the club last year, uh, obviously with the Jersey saga. And how that impacted their footy as well cannot be understated because they did go on that losing streak afterwards. Um, well, I think that's the thing you'll have to look at here. And like a lot of people, like uh, irrational fans, won't look at it at this point. I don't believe. Like, I'm sorry if that I'm calling you irrational, or like not even fans really. Sorry, it's going to be the media who put it out there saying Seabold's like. Seabold's first year is a disaster. Like, but you have yeah. all this pressure going on with Seabold. You have that, like, like you said, um, the culture of stuff with the rainbow jersey last year. Hasler being sacked. Hasler people still being inside the club and not, like, still being a bit iffy on Seabold. And then you have this Tommy Turbo injury. So how do you just added a lot more pressure on Seabold? Can he manage it? And like, he has a lot to work to do to turn this club around from what was a top four side in 2021 into, I think, middle of the table, not even in the top eight side. Yeah. It's crazy what a year in, a year in football can do. Um, yeah. Is it a playing standpoint? Sometimes, yeah, it was, 100%. Um, was it a club standpoint? Yes. You could yeah. easily blame the club for a lot of things that happened last season. Um Hasler, I know Hasler and the CEO did not get along at certain points because uh, Hasler wanted to absolutely spray the boys at one point and it was only him, his coaching staff and the boys allowed inside the dressing room, no one else and the CEO did not like that. Hmm. He got kicked out of his own shed, which... It's one thing to lose the dressing room, but imagine the dressing room losing you. Yeah. So it's it'll be really peculiar, but it'll be interesting to see how it goes well, on the team there, I think. We, uh, we have a look at the signings for this year. Do I think I'll these think were... I think only one... Could have been Hasler signings. Kalmala Tolangi from Tigers. I think that was a Hasler signing. The other three. Ben Condon, Cooper Johns, Nathaniel Roach. I don't know. I, I maybe I think they were Seabold. They were definitely... I think Johns and Condon were definitely Seabold. I think they're just filling out the top 30 with those ones, to be honest. I don't, yeah, I don't think Condon will get game time. I don't think... John's will unless something horribly goes wrong with Schuster. Uh, if Schuster doesn't perform, I think yep. John's gets first crack at that six. But then you also have the losses for this season. Um, I will. So if you have a look, Kieran Four and Dylan Walker, Martin Tapau, Andrew Davy. Uh, important to note that Tapau is actually unsigned. He's a free agent at this point. Yeah. Lee's always had a funny contract situation because I know Peyton spoke about his manager going to the Cowboys three times, I believe, asking if they wanted to sign him. 
and they had said no each time, but then it kept ending up in the media that the Cowboys wanted to power, despite them having said no a few times. So it's the, the Marty to power contract situation is a very, very weird one. Um, surely, I hope it gets resolved just for his own sake because he's a person. Yeah. You know, he's not just, but on the business side, Jesus Christ, what's his management doing? And what if, like, who's leaking to the media? It's probably the manager, like, saying this is a scare yeah. tactic. You need to sign him or else he's going to the cows. No, it's it's probably, yeah, it's probably half that and just trying to drum up interest from clubs. He was also but, supposed to join Eels by October 1st and that never happened. Yeah, well, that one, apparently that didn't happen because Hasler blocked it. I did see that. You know, uh, yeah. And that kind of blew up in his face. I yeah, think. well, it's, uh, I think, I feel, yeah, because I think if Tapao went to the Eels, that probably would have helped him a bit. I don't really rate Tapao particularly much, but also don't particularly rate some of the Eels' forward pack. Yeah. Um, not that they're a bad forward pack. I think their bench is fantastic. I think Madison is an absolute gun. Yeah. But yeah, they probably could use reinforcements at times. Um, on top of that, I think, yeah, the, the losses are not great. Foreign is going to be an absolutely massive loss. Uh, Dylan Walker also played a pretty important role coming around uh, in the middle, and he, his utility value shouldn't go. Which is what, um, unnoticed either. Which is what um, has been discussed at Roy's is that he'll be the 14. Yeah. And, and the, you have a look at it. Um, you could arguably say that Dylan Walker is the most influential and aggressive 14 that there is currently, that he has shaped the way that 14s come off the bench and how they play. Like small little fellows with a lot of speed through the middle. Um you know, he's a centre. He could probably, he can slot in the centres at Warriors, like we said, but you have a look at how the 14s are now. It's a look like coaches manage them differently, but I think uh, Hasler was very smart with Walker and what he did. He made a bloke that was, like, fighting for a centre spot, get a full-time spot as one of the, like, best 14s. Yes. You can fight me, but you have a look there. Um, the fort, uh, Walker at 14 was, was the best for Manly at times. He was gaining, like he was running through blokes. He was the person that would get the dummy half and just run, and he would gain Manly so many metres from it. It's what helped Tommy Turbo in that 2021 year get on the front foot a lot sometimes. Um, yeah, it was, it was very handy. Uh, I'll say, is, it, is there anything more we can add on the losses, really, just other than the importance of that? Because foreign is going to be a massive one, especially just off his ability to help seal those overlaps. Just, uh, he, he's actually a very crafty ball player. Um, it, ba- it, it backfires a lot. I think as a second rower, he tried to do way too much. And we spoke about this where a second rower, you just need to run your lines, make your tackles. He and was, he was, he was, he was trying to, trying to the third half at times, which wasn't needed. You just need him to run the ball. I know we absolutely um, pizzled him one episode yeah. because he only ran 22 metres. 
not just that, but I think it was because he passed the ball 10 times after touching the ball 12 times, Yeah, which is, it. like, yeah. ridiculous. Um, but I think putting him at six, it, it fits his natural play style more. Uh, he did spend time slimming down. He does look mm. noticeably fitter he does. Uh, over the offseason. I think his ball playing with Turbo in 2021 was actually fantastic. There were some very deceptive plays where he came outside the back and Schuster was a key part of their attack. There's a reason he was mentioned as one of the better rookies that season. Yeah. Um, however, it is... Yeah, So, but it'll be interesting to note how everything works culturally because I imagine there's some people that are not happy at all that Schuster's been shoehorned for that sixth jersey. Yeah. Uh, especially because some people probably think that he's caused a bit of division with the Pride Round cycle last year. But yeah. obviously that's like that's incredibly messy. Well, it also, to do with. this is what infuriate me. Like, of course he had those hill runs, but that was a promise made by Hasler. So he's he's a Hasler boy in my eyes. Yeah. Um, what would infuriate me though with this bloke? He can, he has the potential. I, I, a lot of people have the potential to be better. It's his mentality, yeah. which I think he started to amend. Mm. What? But like, this is what will piss me off is that if he starts running the ball as a six and not passing, because you're doing the opposite <laughs> of what you should have been doing this year. If that happens, I think... I, I would actually be, be happy if that happened. I think it'd be happy if that happened. That that would be a good thing. And if you don't believe me, rewatch some of his highlights in the juniors when six was his main position. Mm-hmm. He was he was definitely a running six that used his powerful body. But yeah, um, that's the thing he... that he should have been fucking doing this year. <laughs> you are six foot three. <laughs> you weigh a hundred kilos. Fucking run the ball. Well, that's the thing. It'll it might be a bit infuriating if he does it, but I'd rather him figure it out than him not figure it out. Yeah. Uh, just for manly sake. So because especially when you're paired with DCE, who is actually a pretty decent runner of the ball, but he is mostly an organising half. Yeah. And he knows so how if to you can just pill. Oh yeah, you can. You can you know, we've spoken about so many times the way he gets the ball to his centres uh, on an overlap, who just then ice it with that one extra pass. It's very clever. Well, uh, when you have a look at this best 17, I want to have a look at the back five here for a quick yeah. second. Um, of course, this is... So we had um, a few changes in the back line this season with uh, the Pride jersey, uh, injuries of Brad Parker. The emergence of Cola in the preseason the also. of Cola. So my back five, I know people are going to hate on this from the moment I say fullback. I don't care. You want you don't you want Turbo to be full fit. You do not want to injure this bloke anymore. I fear for this bloke's well-being and his mental health. I have Garrick at fullback. I have uh, Christian Toloto at wing, Kula and Turbo in the centres, and Saab on the remaining wing. Again, we've seen what Turbo can do at Origin. We've seen how he can pick the right time to insert himself at centre. Play him at centre. For the love of God, please. Even if it's for two games and it doesn't work out, please, I just want to make sure this kid, this bloke's okay. I fear for his well-being. Yeah, I feel you. 
I don't know. I feel like just having good health staff around the team. And also, I think playing at fullback, I, I, I disagree with this best 17, but I think they should load manage. Yeah. I think they should not... Because he probably won't be playing every game. I think it'd be okay if they try and rest him up the same way that they've been managing Luttrell at the Rabbitohs. Obviously, Luttrell doesn't... like. We haven't seen long-term how Luttrell goes, but we do know that the Rabbitohs have been pretty cautious in terms of resting him at training, uh, the amount of recovery work he does. And it was, Hopefully... It was great yep. to see that he went to America and that they were able to help. I know that America are still currently screaming for people in that sporting field. Um, it's what I'm, I'm going to be doing now. I'm going to study mm. that. Uh, as yeah, someone well, who has started, I do, like, you want to manage that load, as you said. Rabbits have their way. It was, like, when I first heard, when I spoke to my mates who play footy and who have had those injuries, um, even myself, who has helped coach teams, uh, my team, the fact that you put a bloke who has had several hamstring injuries into the yo-yo test is ridiculous to me. The yo-yo test is very aggravating to your legs. Was uh, this for Latrell? No, this is for Turbo. This so is they how, did that test with him? This is what he originally... like. So on the Monday, he did the yo-yo yeah. test and it yeah. got agitated a little bit. He then went in on... Um, like uh, the following day and they were doing um, six on six I think it was yep and he did his hammy and it's believed wow that um, the yo-yo test is what caused the aggravation to his hamstring and that wow. repeated load in a, a um, opposed session is what pushed it over the edge wow and that's because we do see in professional sports, load management is becoming a bigger focus. Uh, mm. The NBA over the past few years, especially with players like Kawhi Leonard, who have had those repeating injuries. And I, I do wonder if it becomes a thing in rugby league because you have guys like uh, David Fafida, Herbo, um, Latrell Mitchell, who are they're kind of boom or bust players. Mm. And them being healthy is so key to those boom periods. So I wouldn't be surprised, or even if they have some form of backline cover on the bench, and if, you know, at some points they just start to bring Turbo out of games. Yeah. Because you, you, it might mess up with their bench rotations. I don't know. These are just ideas I'm throwing from my head. But it'll be really interesting to see how they manage it and how they go about with uh, whatever stuff they can bring in, because... Obviously, if that if that is how he's uh, his hamstring, yeah, it's 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 got to be ringing off alarm bells. And you have to look at the um assist the coaching staff and be like, why have you done this? And why have you not yeah. communicated correctly with the rehabilitation team? Yeah, well, I think was was this the health were these the health staff that was fired a few days ago that you spoke about? I believe so. Yeah. Because I think Des brought them in as well, I believe. Yeah, I I think so. I I definitely yeah, I know that some health people that were fired from the club. 
Uh, this was from yeah, the that's... Telegraph, I believe. Wow, and this is... Uh, it, it just gets a bit messy over at Manly. It's, yeah. it's really going to be a boom or bust season, but it's not looking too promising for them. But I do hope they can turn it around. But just, wow, if that's... That's a note of start the season on. Yeah, very sad note. Because um, it's it's not it's not just about you know the injury itself. It's also about happened. Yeah. Um, again, management of the club it fails again. Um, but continue on with the best seventeen. Uh, Schuster and DCE, of course, in the halves. Uh, Schuster has for trials and I think for first five matches, or I, I don't know. Do He's got a first crack in the trial, Seabold has said that. Yeah, so we'll see how he goes. Um, and then in the forward pack, we have Kepi, uh, Kempi, sorry, uh, jo- Oshe Ole as in the props, uh, Cro- Lockton Croker at hooker, uh, Olakaratu and Tolagi in second rows, Jerbo at 13. On my bench, I've got Zach Fulton, Burb, uh, Benj Bojevic, Sipley and Morgan Boyle. So, I don't think that's a very inspiring forward pack. Okaratu is the one that stands out to me. Um, of course, yeah. Jobo had a okay season. He he has yet, um, I think, up until one of the games in the World Cup, he didn't miss a single tackle in representative's footy, which is amazing. Very big round of applause to him. Uh but the main standout for me in that forward bench is Olakowatu. Yep, I'd agree. And also, it'll be interesting to see how Jerbo links up the attack. He does tend to be a lock that passes a bit. Yeah. So... He has that ball playing, but um, funny enough, I don't think he made a single tackle break all season. Yeah, or I think he only made two or something like that. Yeah. I'm not was... 100% sure on it either. It was a big meme in the uh, Cowboys Discord this year. Yeah, yeah, because I remember that one. But I, I actually am a Jerbo fan. I do, I do like him. I like what he adds to the team, uh, not just from a football standpoint, but also from a cultural standpoint. Yeah, uh, he's obviously he's a nice bloke. People seem to get on with him by all accounts. Um, he's just ideally. a he doesn't cause any problems by, yeah. by the seams of He's the nicest yeah, bloke in rugby league, as they say. Yeah. And if you... <laughs> um, if Manly came out tomorrow and said we're having co-captains for this year, it's DCE and um, Jerbo. Yep. Um, that's, that's a pretty reasonable way to go about it. So, players to watch this season, Turbo, Kalamatoni, and Schuster. Those are the three players I've got to watch. Uh, yeah. Of course, we've named why Turbo's one to watch. We've named why Schuster. Tulagi um, is coming from a Tigers system where he didn't get a lot of game time. Uh, he was he didn't look very promising in the early stages. He got hooked to bench. So, um, we'll see how he goes in a new system. It's a, probably mm. a messy system to go into. But... Right. We'll see. Um, things they need. A bit of fun little um, facts for you. Fun facts. In the past three years, I believe, I just had it. Um, if my memory serves me correct, 
that Manly have lost the first four matches of the past three seasons, and their first wow. and their first win has come from a golden point win, a field goal. Wow! So there you go. Do you want to see that again? No. If you're a club, no. you don't want that. You, you, they need, to, they desperately need to get a new start. Um. So, all accounts, that would be the main goal is to get off to a good start. You could understand why um, they may not be able to, of course. Um, but you, you just you just want to make sure that you get on the right foot and you get on it early. Yeah, well, it's it's harder to make friends with the teammates when you're losing, isn't it? Yeah, and if that's if they're trying to figure out that culturally, you know, getting some wins, especially getting some wins, sticking to the game plan as well, that's that that can be a good thing for them to kind of look at and say, all right, we've got a plan, this is all right. Mm. So, hope hopefully it works out. But mm. uh, as it stands, because a lot of people are too early for the spoon, I. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't really like tipping teams for the spoon. It feels mean because it was once your team. But, it was once our, my team too. Exactly. It was. It was my team too once, and I. You know, like I. I vengefully remembered everyone who said Cowboys were going to be spooners because I was not happy. I thought those were such unfair predictions. And then Chad Townsend came out on TV and blasted everyone and said, uh, we were favourites at Spoon this year, now we've made the top eight. We've made top four, actually. Um, well, Chad said he remembered everyone that doubted him too in the interview. He's like, yep. That was, mate, was Chad Townsend, a... I'm just waiting for the day he rocks up on someone's doorstep and says, I know you doubted me last season. And he <laughs> just challenges him to a game of golf and whoever wins, and he'll beat the bloke. <laughs> <laughs> he just he's just the live stream on the vlog of them apologizing to Chad. <laughs> it's, a oh. it's a it's an hour long compilation of like sixty eight people saying I'm sorry, Chad. I love Journalists owns compilation. Oh god. Uh, I, I I love Chad and I can't even put it past him though because he's so bizarre on the internet. But like I I love this guy with all my heart. He's a character. You you love to see it, but. Please. It's time to move on to the final uh, team of the episode. It's one that I think everyone is excited for. I know a lot of people, uh, I know we both are, Jacob. It's the Dolphins. Yep. Wow, let's go. So, signings. Don't need to worry about that. Like, Really, they have just their fun. entire team, their really. entire top thirty. No signings, no losses. Um, well, we obviously we do have signings, but it's been played, been made pretty clear throughout um, the media that the Dolphins have unfor- like have missed out on like a ton of people. Even the fact that Fox League put up a post, uh, I think it was yesterday, saying the top seventeen of players the Dolphins missed out on. Oh, that's I don't like that article. Because, you know, technically you can you can be like, Oh, you know, the 
any team missed out on anyone, but it's never it's never that simple. Well, especially when you're trying to recruit a new club. Because yeah. I don't think I don't think that um you have some teams like the Cowboys who I don't think had any massive recruits in their early few years. No one that was at least among the best players in the NRL. Um, and then you've got teams like the Broncos who, when they came into the league, they had access to everyone in Brisbane Rugby League. Yeah. Um, because anyone that didn't go to New South Wales Rugby League, Queensland got their, uh, Brisbane got their pick of the entire BRL, which is basically the entire state of Queensland. So they built what was, in essence, a state of origin team, aside from the guys who were off playing for tobacco money. Um, after that, what's the next one? Oh, we've got the Storm. They were founded. They The Storm, they're a bit of a unique one. They did find some success early on. They played in the grand final in 1998, I believe. Uh, I believe it was 99 because... I f- Could have been 99. Yeah, because Glenn Lazarus was their captain. And won them, and was a part of their inaugural championship. Right, because I North think um, was was Kamali their seven as well. I think that's that's the part, that's the part I remember. Brett Kamali playing for the Storm. He obviously went on to have a pretty decent career. It was a pretty crafty player. Um, yeah, Brett Kamali. There you go. Yep. Yeah, wow. It was Melbourne Storm yeah. versus St George Illawarra Dragons, twenty eighteen. Yeah. Um. Glenn Lazarus at prop. Uh, Chris Anderson, the coach. Yeah, Chris Anderson, the coach. Craig uh, Matt, Matt Geyer. Yeah. At six. So there's there's one of your bigger names. And then... Wait, didn't... Didn't Kamali... Sorry... Flash, like, yeah, he was the best Tigers coach this year. That's why I thought, fuck, I knew he sounded yep. familiar. Yeah, he coached the Tigers this year, and he's also played at the Dogs and the Sharks. Yeah, right. Uh, Funny uh, thing after enough, storm, Trent Barrett was on this uh, the Dragon side that year. Yeah, and Anthony Mundine, uh, holy. <laughs> yeah, well, Mundine, he was playing for the Broncos in the Super League a few years before, I believe. Yeah, and he won the. Um, oh, I think it was afterwards because I think. Um, Mundine, I think he had two stints with the Broncos. Did he? Okay, Craig Fitzgibbon was the fourteen for St George that year in the grand final. Yep. Yep. Who else? Lots of it's it's a very fascinating. Nathan Brown was the hooker. Oh, no, it was... Yeah, uh, so... Yeah, Nathan Brown, he did play with... Uh, Mundine, he only had one stint with the Broncos, which was in 1997 in the Super League. The rest of his games were with the Dragons. Okay. Because isn't it... Like... I think last year we had the... Um, indigenous round... Um, like thing, and he showed up in it. I'm like, huh, interesting. But yeah, right. Because I remember he like there was a photo of him and Rain lifting up the trophy. But yeah, there you go. Yep. 
Did um, he quit football, if I remember this right, because Matty Johns made the Australian side over him? I'm not 100% sure. Um, I think that's what he said. Yeah. I... Which is funny to me. Yeah, I'm not... Yeah, I don't know why he quit. Oh, well. Um, back to the Dolphins, however. <laughs> Um, yes. All right, so there's been a lot of discussion over over how this best 17 will go. Of course, we cannot put anything solid except for maybe a few players um, and have that go. So I'm actually just going to edit one little player because I remember he actually signed with them, even though I do not like him in defense. Um, so I've actually got Hammer as, our, as the Dolphins' fullback. Um, yep. Of course, you have Izarko there, which I've actually, literally, as I'm, as we're recording this, I literally just put him on the wing over um, the guy I originally had, uh, Jacob. Who was it? I can't, it, I can't pronounce his oh, name. It's Valence Valence Tavare, who was a center, not a winger, and who should be playing prop. Just saying. Yeah, he's he's pretty big. He's a big boy. I think, I think Tavare gets a spot over Leo Gildart, to be honest. I could, yeah, I can see that. Um, so in that case, we have Hammer. I think he, yep. like, if you get Hammer, you want to give him a crack at fullback because he was pretty good. Yep. He, he was good for the Cowboys this season. Great defensive organizer at the back, which um, is really rare in young halves. Yeah, in young fullbacks. Yeah, so let him have that time to develop his ball playing ability and just because I think. Him not getting to play too much junior footy, I don't think. Um, mm. With COVID, COVID it probably did. impacted. I don't think he even well played for Blackhawks. Yeah, no, he didn't have much time to learn those um, fundamentals of the game in terms of like being able to time his support runs and those kind of things. Lots of people have cracked him in for being lazy. I don't think he's lazy. I think, one... That's just how he runs. Uh, he just looks like he's relaxed, but he he's he's fast. Um, yeah, I, I think you've, he's proven that. To be fair, he yeah, beat the fox, and, even though like there's maybe a slight misjudgment in that. But he he's a yeah. really fast boy. I think he clocked in thirty-seven kilometers per hour or something. No, it could have yeah. been that. Yeah, but aside from that, he, he did seem to have a pretty good attitude in his preseason with the Cowboys, despite mm. the fact he looked really upset in the dressing room after winning the preliminary final. Uh, not the prelim, the um, first qualifying final against the Sharks. Despite that, he did seem to have a pretty good attitude and worked towards uh, his goal of playing fullback at the Cowboys. He should bring a similar thing to the Dolphins, and he does seem pretty grateful, grateful for his time at the club. You know, he posted a tribute to his time there on his Instagram at the Cowboys. Yeah. Um, does he still have the I, Cowboys number in his bio? I think so. But it's... Obviously, as we've said, it's... He'll definitely get first crack at it. That's why he's there. And I think him having consistent time there is going to be the best thing for him because he'll be able to get better at those small things like working out the kinks in his support runs, knowing where to be positioned in attack, because that was something that Chad was working in with, I believe, at least on the field. He was pointing out spots where he wanted to be. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how this works out. 
with him getting more time, I think it'll be quite good. Well, from what it looks like at the training photos, it looks like he is training at fullback, which is good to see. Um, I, I Like, honestly, the world is his oyster, I think the saying is at the moment. Yep. Um, there is that little rumour that literally started today that RTS will be coming back to NRL and the Dolphins are pouncing to sign RTS. Who knows? Um, yeah, well, Hamill will still get game time. He'll still be in the centres if that happens. Yeah. But will it dampen his confidence? I think so. If that happens. Uh, um, a little. But I also think that media are just linking Dolphins to everyone. Oh, yeah, it's ridiculous. Like, and when the, when the Perth when the Perth Bears come in, that's going to be the same thing. Yep. Um, but okay, so there's a so I think the big shaky thing with this for me when I was like creating the best seventeen was the outside backs. I put yep. Edric and Ozarko at wingers now, and I've put Branko and Ola, Branko Lee and Oliver Gildart at uh, centers. Um, of course, you have mentioned another bloke who could play over um, either yep. of those two in the centres. Val Tavare could definitely fill in there. Uh, he, he's been absolutely tearing it up in QCOP. Yeah, uh, from what you've told me, he's, I, I'm, well, I want to see him play now. I might even go watch a Queensland Cup game for like, the first time in forever. Yeah, well, if, if you go on KO and just rewatch some yeah. old Dolphins games, he's an absolute beast. Well... Um, in the halves, I know you're excited for this. I got Anthony Milford and Sean O'Sullivan. The Milford. I think half excited, more interested. Yeah. I want to see because obviously you didn't grow up watching Milf play, go around the yard, kick a footy, pretend I was either him or JT because he was just such an exciting player. Um, do I think he reaches a similar play style? No, not at all. Not in the slightest. I think he's still very crafty though. Yeah. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how this pairing works if it is O'Sullivan. I wouldn't rule out Isaiah Katoa somehow winning that seven jersey. That's true. I, I, because he impressed in the World Cup. Yeah, and everyone deserves a chance. Um, I mean, I think he'll get a crack on the trials. You, you don't and play he is, Tonga if you're not good. Yeah, and it's also worth noting that he is an absolute... Like as far as halves go, I would I would say he's a generational prospect. He really can do it all. He's an amazing player. Um, there's see he hasn't had that much time to kind of show himself, but he does come from that Penrith system. Yeah. Obviously, for you to be playing uh, successfully, mind you, um, he was he was playing in winning teams in that Penrith junior system as seven, as that ringleader, you do have to be pretty good to be able to crack that considering oh, any kind of ways there. Uh, so that's going to be an absolutely massive get for the Dolphins. I don't, you know, for all this talk about marquee signings, I don't think it's anywhere near as good as being able to pick up someone like that, who is just flat out going to be an amazing prospect. Well, so the, the issue is their definition of a marquee signing and a lot of people's, definition and it was mine was that big name player yeah like like your Munster or your Moses or like your Harry Grant Brandon Smith yeah um 
there's a, there's actually a, a signing that I think have again gone unnoticed or like not unnoticed but like people have forgotten about it. Mark Nicholas, Mark Nichols, Mark Nichols, yeah. Um, he's actually so he'll be in the forward pack for Dolphins. Yep, very handy. And you got Jesse Bromwich. Um, he, I, I, he, he's my first pick to be captain, obviously because he's back yep. captain the Melbourne Storm. You got Jamie Marshall King at the hooker role. Kenny and Felice and Felice Cafusi at um, second row. I've actually got Tommy Gilbert at 13. I don't know. Maybe you could start him on the bench and you have actually Ray Stone as your 13. But on my bench yeah. currently, I've got Cody Nicarima, Ray Stone, Jad Wallace, Ewan Aiken. Yeah. What do you think? Um, I, I don't know how they're going to line up, but I actually don't think the Dolphins are going to go as badly as some people suspect, um, especially if we do start to see Isaiah Katoa come in. Because I don't mind Sean O'Sullivan, but I think sometimes he can really disjoint an attack with his inside ball. Something I noticed a lot when he played for Penrith, he routinely would, the player would be shifting one way and shaping one way. He'd try to throw, he would try to try and catch the defense off guard by throwing the inside ball. But it, it was at a point where he hadn't really engaged the line enough to earn that kind of play. Yeah. So... I, I don't know. I hope that that's not something he brings to the Dolphins because this is going to be an attack that really does depend on him digging into the line and creating space for Milford so we can start to make those reads. Yeah. Um, in my in my opinion, I think the Dolphins forward pack is their biggest strength. You have genuine Great. leaders and blokes who have played first grade for a while, being the Bromwich brothers, Mark, Jared Wallace... Um, yeah. You you also have the second rows that were from the Melbourne Storm, and that have run a yep. premiership together. Uh, if O'Sullivan can craft that inside ball better, we all know how good of a line runner Felice Kafusi can be. Well, I think that'd be the outside ball going to Kafusi. Yeah, that's true. I, I just mean but... like if like he see if like. Kafusi sees something in the inside, he can like communicate. Oh yeah, those um, inside undercuts. That's yeah. a good point. Yeah, I think when I say inside ball, I mean as in like a legitimate pass yeah, like, and not like a. Because yeah. I know when we talk about inside balls, usually we do talk about second rowers cutting in, but I mean, I mean like an actual it's, proper pass. It's like is what the, SOS um, does the play in rugby league like four where you yeah have your um prop on your left and then you ha- on your right you have your full back and your full uh full back and then you have your half back yeah, half back I, runs it first pass it inside to your full back yeah that's that's exactly what i that's yeah. what you'd see SOS do except he's passing into a prop usually who's a bit stagnant yeah so hopefully i think that's something that works that happens or it's worked on with the coaching well but yeah Having a look at this side, there's a lot of players you want to watch and who are genuine prospects. Jeremy Marshall King is one of them, in my opinion. Yep. Had a good year at the Doggies. Um, I've also got Hammer 
Milford and O'Sullivan, now that you say it. I think O'Sullivan... Mm. You've got the kicking game sorted. And I notice that this could be just like the Panthers system. But when... In the first five games where Cleary was absent due to his shoulder recon or uh, O'Sullivan... It was like Cleary never left because O'Sullivan was there and he was playing like Cleary a lot. He fitted... He was a cog in the system. Mm-hmm. So... That mm. could be... Like, I don't I don't know. It could be just the Panthers system that made him look good or it's... O'Sullivan being himself and being able to kick kick the team out of trouble and organise that offence, which, like mm. you spoke about before, uh, Milford uh, did have do some planning at the Knights, like he organised some structures. Uh, yeah. Short kicking game was pretty good at times. Um, he still got that reverse that reverse talk that yeah. He kicked the mean one at the Broncos. Oh, I, I want to I wanna learn how to do it. Like, it, it genuinely... Same. I've, I've practiced it a bit. It's, it's a mean kick. Um, but yeah, I just... There's a lot of things that I'm excited to see the Dolphins. I'm glad, of course, they're going to be starting, like playing first round because we know every team will have to have a bye some round. The first one yeah. being Dol- uh, Dragons. Mm-hmm. Could they have given them an easier team to verse? Yes. Uh, they actually have the Roosters first up. Yep. I'm just saying you could have feed, feed them to the Tigers. <laughs> like, bruh. I think Wayne wants the challenge. Which is good. You're, not, you're not giving, like... I, my main thing is that they'll have two pre season games pre so trials and then they go into like they go into the deep end in yep. um and that one thing that they need is a consistent team list i feel and with that yep. comes cohesion they need that cohesion and you don't yep. get cohesion if you keep switching players around mm. But what do you think? What do you, who is who's your favorite? Who's your player you want to watch in twenty twenty three for the Dolphins? Um, I think it's definitely going to be Isaiah Katoa first and foremost. Yep. But also Milford. Milford does need to play at a good level for them to be playing well. Uh, obviously, you look at that spine. Hammer. He's, obviously, I agree. Having him as a player to watch, he needs to be improving his positioning and attacking shapes. Yeah. He needs to be able to time himself in the right position. He doesn't have to become an amazing ball player just yet, but at least create the threat of an overlap. Um, Milford, just play off the cuff, play natural footy, play confident footy. You know, don't just second-guess things because obviously we saw he's a running player, Mm. but he's trying to adjust to this new stage of his career where he doesn't have that same speed. Um, and Katoa, I really think, is the guy that they need to give him some Q-Cup time, but also look at trying to get him that debut if he starts playing well in Q-Cup because he's the guy that the Dolphins realistically want to be building around. Yeah. Um, he's to, to be able to get him from Penrith, considering his 
resume in junior footy and not just junior footy now, but international footy. You know, he was the halfback in the World Cup. That's a pretty big, it's a pretty big thing to be able to achieve, especially at Tonga, given the quality of players there. So, watching Katoa and hoping that he gets second grade, I think is going to be very, very important for the Dolphins, um, because obviously they've got the forward pack there, but they're just wanting to add a bit of that class in the spine. I don't think that looking for guys like Munster was particularly the answer. I think building around someone like Katoa is... like I, I don't think the Dolphins are all doom and gloom as much as they really wanted Munster. That's true, yeah. Um, and like you said with Hammer and Katoa, you need game time for them to improve. Yep. Yeah, um, absolutely. Because you're developing them. Should... It's it's a long-term project. Hammer and Katoa can be some of the best players in the NRL. They, if they, you're surrounding them with the right coaching and the right attitude and getting game time to practice with their learning. Well, you've got arguably one of the best coaches in the NRL being Wayne Bennett there, and then you've yep. got Christian Wolf coming. Yeah, well, Bennett knows, you know, he's written about it in his books. He absolutely loves those creative players and being able to coach them. And I think if, if Hammer and Katoa are receptive to anything that's happening at coaching there, then absolutely. Yeah. They're going to be absolutely... They're going to learn so much, and it's going to be really exciting. Because obviously, Katoa, playing at the World Cup for Tonga, very exciting prospect. He's got it all for someone his age. So... Uh, yeah, it's... Like, honestly, that is a great achievement to be playing for Tonga as your, as, as the halfback. In, like, one of yeah, the... Yeah, like, without, without playing... Yeah, without playing an NRL game. Sensational, like honestly. Yep. Um, what do the Dolphins need in 2023? What should their main goal be? Develop their younger players. Yeah. Um, you're not going to be... Obviously, you want to win, but develop your younger players and develop your team culture because those are the things that are going to set you up for long-term success. Everyone keeps looking at things as if the Dolphins need to be competitive this year. They don't. Look at the Titans. They actually were competitive in their first few years. They made some pretty big signings. Um, Preston Campbell, Campbell, Scott Krintz, Matt Rogers, Greg Bird. Lots of big names going to those teams. Mm. And how's it turned out for them? Not particularly successful. Um you want to be able to have a team that, because obviously they've got their pathways developed, and I'll take that that's the method that they want to work with. Smartest thing they could have done. Smartest thing they could have done, in my opinion. That is a club that knows what they need to do. The first big sign, like, you talk about marquee signings as players. Wayne Bennett. Not only that, they got the general manager of football from the Warriors, one of the best people to do it, he came in and said, all right, we're going to hire you, develop our pathway system. He's like, done. He made the Dolphins' um, pathway system from scratch, basically. Like, not from, uh, not fully from scratch, but he, he, the Dolphins Academy, he made that. He got young blokes from the area to come and trial and play footy for the Dolphins before an NRL side took place. They're building and crafting that younger generation of dolphins already. 
Exactly. And they've already had those pathways to the Queensland Cup for so long. Hmm. And the NRL is just adding that extra cherry on the top, the extra step. Obviously, it's a very different level of playing footy. But, you know, kids are still playing their junior footy at the Redcliffe Dolphins. Obviously, they are linked to the NRL club. They are the NRL club, despite having the different geographical location in their name. So, honestly, I, 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 I'm I, bullish on the Dolphins. Not this year. Not just this year. I think they will do all right this year. They'll be a nice team to watch if you're a nerd. <laughs> um, like us. Yeah, yeah, well, because we, we all want to see, you know, what Felice Cafusi getting quick play the walls, what Milford's doing at second receiver, Hemmer's positioning and attack, but the average person's not really going to care about that. They just want to see someone score some cool tries. So, yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, yeah, it'll be really fascinating. Well, do you have anything more to add, Jacob? Um, no, I don't think there's much to well, this is our last episode before Christmas, so if you celebrate Christmas, happy uh, Merry Christmas, guys, and Happy New Year. Uh, we'll yep. be back next Wednesday. So until then, Jacob, what do we love? We love our footy. Thanks, everyone. We love our footy.